Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Pastor Jamie Tasker for his message. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I, I said it before, I really am glad that you've taken time out of your Friday night to come and, and be with us. And I want to take a bit of a different stance tonight. We have been teaching on uh, Theology 101, and I don't necessarily want to teach as such so much tonight. I want to preach, and I really hope that you'll give me some uh, leniency with that. Well, okay, I was going to say if there was an objection, too bad. (laughs) We may have to edit this uh, podcast, Lyndon Frearson. But, you know, I remember walking into a church at the age of 17, lost, hurt, broken, looking for meaning, for purpose, for existence in life. And uh, prior to that point, I was doing it in all the wrong places. And if this is your first time to church, if you're new to faith, you know, I, really, I have a real soft spot for you. I'm so glad you are here. I can remember walking in, how daunting it was. You know, the, this thing we call church which really is not a building, it's a body of people. It's quite a foreign thing when you think about it. We turn up, we sing, we raise hands, we put them down, we clap, (laughs) we give. Someone gets up and talks about announcements, hypes people up, then someone gets up and tells us how to live our life better, then we pray and then we go home. It's a rather unique thing, but the core foundation of everything we do is all about really worshipping and really drawing closer, developing an intimate relationship with our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And tonight I just want to preach from this topic on faith, but not just any faith, really a functional faith. I think the word faith has been taken out of context. There's so many interpretations we have from this, and faith isn't something we do. Faith really is who we are. I want to look at a story tonight from a passage in the Bible from Mark chapter 3. And if that could be put up on the screens, tech people, that would be uh, outstanding. Mark chapter 3. We're going to read from verses 1 to 6. And when you've got there in your Bible, give me a... I've got it. Drop the clutch, white boy. Preach it. All right. So it says, Jesus went in the synagogue... Or into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a what? A deformed hand. Verse 2. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened. Everyone say deeply saddened. By their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot to kill Jesus. Father, I just thank you for your word. We know it's living. We know it's powerful. 
I pray that you speak to us tonight. I pray that people here would hear your voice. God, we haven't come just to hear a fancy speech. We've come to be changed and drawn closer to you. I pray for revelation this evening. I pray for life-changing encounters with you that we can take away and apply to our daily lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. You know, it's Mark's gospel. It gives us five different accounts within two chapters of Jesus being confrontational. You'll notice that comfort and confrontation are both ministries of God. God will comfort you and confront you in order to create us into the image of Christ. And the earthly ministry of Jesus, it was no different in which he comforted those who mourned. But he was also a source of confrontation for those who had become complacent. Is there anyone here tonight who may have become complacent in their faith? You know, we see Jesus here in one of five situations with these religious ruling group of his day. And the central issue around these confrontations is Jesus' issue with and approach to the Sabbath. The Sabbath, it was a gift given to the people... And as people so often do, we can pervert a a good gift that God gives us and we use it for the wrong purpose. It's that which was designed to be creative, to be restorative, but it becomes abused when it's used for a different purpose from that with which God had designed it and wanted it to be accomplished for. You know, we see here an image, an illustration of a system that really is no longer working for the purpose that God had intended it for. Jesus arrives, he walks into the temple system, which people would use when they were coming to approach God. And this system had become dysfunctional for the purpose that it was designed to serve. Does anyone here tonight like fitness? A couple of people. Well, I heard of Jesus up the back there. Uh, But, you know, fitness, when you think about it, fitness is relative. You can go to some places and you can feel very fit in comparison to other people in that place. But then you go to other places and you feel totally unfit or out of place. I recently competed in the Masters Games. I won two silver medals. Praise Jesus. And one of the sports I competed in, what really made me so chuffed the most, was the fact that I was the youngest competitor. And compared to most of these other competitors, I was the fittest bloke there. I tell you, it was a great feeling. But then I love going to the gym as well. And there's one particular area I like, and it's the the, the free weight area. But depending on the time of the day I go to the gym, there are some very interesting people in the free weight area. You know what I mean? There was a guy there recently who I wasn't sure whether he had some serious bowel problems or he was struggling with the weights, but he was lifting these quite excessive weights And then he would stop and he would pose. And there's something interesting about gyms is if you have a self-image problem, gyms probably aren't the best place for you. 
You see the walls, they're lined with these things called mirrors. And anyway, this guy who was grunting and groaning, who was posing, who I wasn't sure if I needed to call a paramedic for or not, he would get up in between the reps, he would walk up to the mirror, and he would pose. It's quite a funny thing. I love watching people. The sad thing is, I think for a lot of us as Christians, we can do similar, where we try to show a lot of muscle when we pose in our faith. But you know, there's this fad at the moment and it's called functional fitness. Functional fitness, have you got it? And functional fitness, uh, really, it's exercises where you train your muscles to work together and you prepare them for the daily tasks which really stimulate common movements you might do with common usage with things like at home or at work or in sports. Really what it's about is doing exercises that'll help you in your daily life. Pretty good thing, hey? A lot of exercises, though, will not help you in life. Things like algebra. Anyone hearing me tonight? I remember when I was training with my my physiotherapist and I was recovering. I had a motor vehicle accident some years ago. And part of my rehab was going to the gym. And for years, I was looking across at this freeway area and you could see the golden arches, well, not the arches, it was, yeah, if you like Maccas, it was that. It was this area which was fantastic. I wanted to achieve my growth towards, but I was limited to these four machines, four basic machines. And I, I kept saying to my physiotherapist, why am I only here with these basic machines when over there is the glory area? She looked at me and she said, these machines may be basic, but I can guarantee you I will make you cry with these four machines. She took great pleasure in doing that each week. You know, sometimes we think we need all this fancy knowledge in order to grow in our faith. We think we need all this fancy equipment, the latest fad, the latest books, the latest teaching when it comes to our faith. But, you know, I've got good news for you, and there's one Bible verse. If you can apply to your life, I guarantee it will make a gargantuan, everyone say gargantuan, gargantuan change in your life. That was for you, Paul Stansel. I'm talking about the kind of faith that not only gives you knowledge in your head, but also strengthens your heart. I want to share with you tonight a simple message on faith, but really faith that resembles real life. You see, there's something I love more than anything is that when I share a message or Pastor Ben shares a message, we hear it's able to be applied to people's Mondays, to their Tuesdays, to even their Wednesdays when they're in those boring meetings, to their Thursdays when they hit that three o'clock. God is able to speak to them and they reflect on the previous message they heard. Functional faith. God's word, it applies to me, it's functional to my existence. And Jesus, he's instigating a functional faith in this story in a dysfunctional religious system. Mark 3, it's so much more when you think about it than a man's hand being healed. It's about a system that has become dysfunctional. It's about a people who have misappropriated faith. I don't know about you, but I've heard so many different definitions of Faith, And I think that 
It can mean so many different things, but also can become so meaningless. This speaker here, Lyndon, is making a little fuzzy popping noise, and it's really annoying me. (laughs) Thank you. We hear about faith, and we hear about these statements like blind faith. Seriously, just think about it for a moment. Blind faith. We hear about faith-based organizations. We hear about people coming to faith. We hear about people who lose their faith. We might even tell someone to have faith. We even call someone a person of faith as if that faith is an ethnicity. You're black, you're white, you're faith. We make these statements which are really quite extraordinary. Faith is meant to be more than a formality. Faith is more than a feeling. Faith is not a Toyota. It's meant to be more than a formula. I thought I might have got a laugh for that one. It can, if you can make it into a formula, it really isn't faith. Just think about that for a moment. If you can explain it, it's not faith. You don't need faith for what you can explain. You don't need faith. Sorry, you need faith. This is what you do need faith for what you don't understand. I recently heard a great definition that faith is patience with mystery. Faith is patience with mystery. The ability to abide in a place that you don't understand. So my question for you is, what is faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've got a question for you this evening. I've got a couple of questions. But what's the opposite of life? I need you to speak up a bit. What's the opposite of darkness? The opposite of sitting. What's the opposite of faith? Doubt, fear. Anyone else? Worry. You know, we tend to think that if we tend to think that if we have doubts, we don't have faith. But what if the opposite of faith is not doubt? But what if the opposite of faith is certainty? You see, the opposite of faith is when you've figured everything out. You've put your life in a position that doesn't require God. You can have a lot of faith and you can still have doubts. Faith is not a certainty. Faith is not a feeling. I don't have to feel faith in order to have faith. I don't even have to be happy to be grateful for all the things that God has done in my life. So have you got faith? My faith doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through storms. My faith means that I'm going to make it to the other side, even if it rains. 
I want us to have faith that works in the wind, faith that works in doubts, faith that works in disappointment. So what is faith? Now, I think a better question we should be asking is, what is faith for? What is faith for? What's the objective of our faith? You notice faith is my first point for you tonight, is faith always has an objective. Faith has an objective. I remember when I had my motor vehicle accident and in the recovery period, my physio asked me, what is, what's your objective? What's your objective? What are we working towards? I wanted to get to the point Knowing that I've got permanent disabilities, I wanted to get to the point where I could still play sports again. It took me four years, but two weeks ago I competed in the Masters Games and got a silver medal in the hockey. I think that is, for me, it's a praise point. But, you know, what are we walking... What are we walking? What are we working towards? You know, I used to hate the gym. I can remember going in week after week on these four machines, getting dragged through... And my physio just loving, tormenting me, pushing me to my limits in order to get to the point where I could compete again. But we had an objective. I love the gym, but you know, the thing is, you go to the gym to get fit, but people can go to get fit just for a wedding. (laughs) People can go and get fit just for a New Year's resolution. But I wanted to get fit because it's a lifestyle thing. I know for me, I functionally work better mentally when I'm physically fitter. And the thing is, faith, it works the same. Faith is a lifestyle. I was told I'd never play sports again after receiving my news from my accident. I was told I'd never be able to play contact sport again. Now, I'll tell you, there's one thing about me is I'm pretty stubborn. (laughs) But faith has an objective. And my objective was, I appreciate your news, but I appreciate who my God is. And I'm going to press through this because I will play sports once again. It wasn't just the fact I wanted to play sports. It was more the fact that I have faith to believe that that which you're saying is impossible can be possible. See, there are three different groups we read in this passage. We, we read about the Pharisees, and they came to see that day what they could find fault in. They came to set up Jesus. I think what's sad is we can come to church and have a similar mentality. We can come to find fault. Can we please never have a mentality like that? In Mark we read, Jesus, he went into a synagogue to heal. The man went with a withered hand, possibly to be healed, but the Pharisees, they went to watch. Mark 3, 2, it says, Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. They were looking for an offense. Jesus was looking to heal. When we come to church... What is it that we are looking for? What are we looking for? I pray that our faith will always be inclusive and not exclusive. 
There was a man with a withered hand and they, they wouldn't even reach out to him. I, I don't know what's worse when you read this story. The fact that those who won't reach out or one who can't. And Jesus, he, he confronts the objective. You know, may you and I, may I, I'll speak for, for myself here. May I never have a faith where I'm only searching for things that will benefit me. Where my prayers are, God, bless my family, bless my job, bless the things I do. Let's never be totally inclusive with our, uh, exclusive, sorry, with our faith. You know, when was the last time you prayed to God for something that would actually make your life less convenient if God actually did it? I remember a time where I, I had an attitude with a certain demographic people. And I just didn't want to associate with them. I didn't want to be around them. And there was a meeting going on. This was a very long time ago. And I'm in this meeting. And uh, we started worshipping. And my heart was just so hard. It was so cold. I didn't like the fact. I'm sure people around me could see. I just didn't like this environment I was in. And the moment they started singing worship, the moment they started declaring praise, and I lifted my hands and surrendered, it was as if an hour literally had passed. God touched my life. He had set me free. And the demographic of people I was in that I detested, I didn't even want to be there, I was being hugged by, I was being loved by. And that issue of a hardened heart that I had was healed instantly. What is it that we are closing ourselves off to? What is it that's restricting our faith? What's your objective? What is your faith for? What is our objective of faith? You know, it matters a lot. All of this controversy, it was around the occasion which was the Sabbath for the Jewish people. It was a day that was to be set aside, a day of rest. Its intention was a day of blessing. But since they had objectified the Sabbath and they had depersonalized the nature of God, Jesus, he came to remind them that any, any occasion where we can be a blessing, we must step out and take it. In verse 4, Jesus asks, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Talk about a smack in the face moment right there. I think Jesus, he's picking a fight. He's proving a point because... He really, he could have waited to heal this guy until the next day. But the issue wasn't around the withered hand being healed. The issue was around their hearts. He wanted to show them that, listen guys, what you are doing here, it's not working. It's not working. He's using the situation to show that the system isn't working. He was showing the issue of the heart. You know, and since we have such a 
situational position of God, we'll spend most of our lives trying to fix things. Do you know what I mean? You know, where we go from one situation to the other, trying to fix situation after situation. And, you know, I can easily do this in the church. I think I'm a people's person, but I'm also a hands-on person as well. You know, I've watched as God has blessed his church and built it as he said he will do. I can still get in the way trying to fix situations. We can come to church and we could see we have many people serving across the life of the church and someone may hand the buckets out a little bit too early. And I could go and say to them, hey, look, you did that wrong. You did it a bit too early. Hey, maybe next time, why don't we wait? But that's not fixing the system. It's addressing the situation. Whereas we have leaders who are present who it's their job to be responsible for to work in that system. You know, if I'm trying to fix things all the time, I'm going to limit the growth that our church will go towards. If I'm trying to fix things in my life all the time, rather than fixing the system, I'm going to limit the growth I have when it comes to my relationship with God. We can't do everything. God, I believe he's bringing us to a place in our life where we don't continually address situations where we deal with this and we fix that. He wants to fix a dysfunction that is breaking the system, excuse me, that is creating the situation. <clears throat> Jesus shows up and works on a day where people weren't supposed to work. He's showing them that what they were doing isn't working. And he's saying, listen guys, we can, we can fix this. I could only imagine the comments that were being said on that day. What is he doing? We're not even meant to lift our hand, and yet here he is healing people. The sad thing is they had compartmentalized their faith. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you've compartmentalized your faith? You know, we make statements like our faith is a private matter. I really don't think it is. I'm not sure it is because the reality is our faith, it affects everybody. Your life, it's a reflection of it. We hear people make comments like, I have faith, I grew up in the church. I'm not paying you out if you do that, but I, I question that. I'm not sure faith, it's supposed to be an heirloom. I'm talking to you tonight about functional faith. What has your faith done recently? You know, I've got some, uh, we have some crystal glasses that were given to me as a farewell present many years ago. Beautiful glasses. There's a gold trim around the top. And they come out on the special occasions. Anyone have anything like that here? Maybe fine china. Where we have this really nice crockery cutlery and it comes out just for those special occasions. Is our faith like that? I don't think our faith was designed to be that kind of faith. I want a faith that has an everyday use, a faith that stands the test of Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> those boring meetings on Wednesday, Thursday when it comes to 3 o'clock and you can't think of anything else but going home. I want a faith that helps me carry through. I want a faith that helps me in traffic. 
Alice Springs, it's not too bad. But I recently went to Brisbane and a few times Fiona had to nudge me and say, settle down, we're not in a rush. (laughs) But I want a faith that works through every area of my life. I remember hearing a story this week of someone being healed in a connect group. And it was rather amazing because the response was one of sort of shock and surprise when really it should be the, the norm. I prayed for someone in hospital this week and the family said, will you just simply pray for their eyes to be opened? Well, their eyes didn't open. But you know what? I'm still going to have faith and I'm going to continue to pray and believe for healing even though the outcome didn't happen in that moment. I don't want faith to be a special occasion. I want a faith that functions, a faith that we can access in the small things in life, but also that is not held hostage to the outcome when it doesn't go the way I want it to go. You know, in this story in Mark 3, there's two outcomes. We see the man's hand was healed. And in verse 6, it says, And the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they may kill Jesus. There was a healing and there was an outcome. One for the man and the other for the Pharisees. If your faith is dependent for an outcome, it's just a matter of time before you lose it. If you need a certain outcome to validate your faith, it's only a matter of time before we give up. We need a faith that works, a faith that won't give up, a faith that presses on. My faith doesn't wait for an outcome. My faith is an outlook. Do you get that? My faith is an outlook. It looks at a different situation and isn't affected by the outcome. I remember last year believing in faith for a family member that was going through a rough time. And I tell you what, the, <laughs> the situation didn't look too good. But 12 months later down the track, God has turned it around. And I am so glad I didn't allow that moment the outcome in that moment to affect my faith in trusting and believing God for breakthrough. If there's one thing about my God is that he is faithful. What he says he will do, he will do. How's your faith? My faith's an outlook. It's a way of seeing the world. It enables me to be able to see forgiveness when others see offense. That's a tough one. You see, my faith is a way of seeing the world differently because I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. My help, it comes from the Lord. I want to encourage you to allow faith to enable you to see, to believe, to take that step. Faith is a substance, faith isn't a frame of mind. Faith is a substance that changes your frame of mind. I want the kind of faith that causes me to do the impossible. I love what the Bible says. It says the man got up in front of the people. That was his first step. He had to be willing to stand out in the midst of those judging him. In other words, those who didn't get him, those who misunderstood him. You know, that what you're believing God for in this moment, you may have shelved that dream, you may have shelved that breakthrough, you thought it's just too far impossible. Are you prepared enough to take a step? Do you have faith to stand up? It says he stood up in front of the Jews and was looking around. Mark 3, 5, he looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. I don't know, which one is worse? A shriveled, a shriveled up hand 
or a stubborn heart. You know, the condition of the man's hand, I think, was a condition of their hearts. So sad. The symptom was reflective of the system, and Jesus, he came to confront both. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out. I believe God's brought people here tonight, and there are things that you've just allowed to shrivel up, and he wants to break through in areas of your life. And are you prepared to step out? Are you prepared to take that hand out of that pocket and just give it to God? Functional faith. Don't get caught in the performance trap or in the trap where we think we have to work for our salvation. We have to work for our faith. We have to do this, do that. Because the moment you start trying to formulize God and your walk with him, you've missed it. Functional faith. You're saved by grace. You're called by grace. It's a free gift given by him. Will you simply receive it this evening? Now, what does the Bible say in verse 5? He was deeply distressed. Question for you. So, does it say he restored the man's hand, then he stretched it out? No, it says that he put out his hand... And then God healed him. In order for faith to work in your life, you have to take that step. And then God comes through and completes the miracle. You know, you may be here tonight and I just wonder, what is it in your life that you need to see faith conquer? When all you've seen is defeat. What is it that you need to stretch your hand to when all you were doing was putting it in your pocket and hiding it. You know, I know there's areas in our life that we hide and we do it so well. But when it comes to living our life, a life that God wants us to live, that is one that is free, one that is whole, one that is flourishing, one that magnifies and radiates Him. What are we hiding from Him this evening? Do you have a functional faith? Are you prepared to stretch out your hand and allow God to have his way, even if it makes you look like a fool? I just want to challenge you tonight. Are you prepared to stretch out your hand, regardless of the outcome? Are you prepared to change your outlook? And see God step through and break through in your life. Why don't you just close your eyes. Feel free to stand if you want to stand. We're going to pray in just a moment. I'd love to take a moment just to pray for people this evening for breakthrough. I want to pray for people for faith to arise that our outlook would become different. But I also want to pray for people who are There's just areas in your life where you need to surrender to. You need to allow God to come in and to have his way so that you could be made whole and well. You know, if you've got areas in your life and you want breakthrough, I want to encourage you just while everyone's head is bowed, everyone's eyes closed, this is a moment between you and God. 
and you want that functional faith to work in your life, would you be prepared to put your hands out in front as we pray? Would you be prepared to do this as an act of surrender, really, to say, God, I've got these areas, I need your help. I want functional faith, Lord. I want you to deal with these areas of my life. We're going to pray in a moment, and uh, I just wonder if you could do something for me. That is, in the next week, shoot me an email, even make an appointment, and just share of how God is working through that situation. You don't have to necessarily tell me what it's about, but maybe you're not seeing any change, and you want someone to stand with you believing for breakthrough. I'm here to tell you that I am here to stand with you, knowing who my God is, that he is with us, he is for us, and he wants to break through in those areas of your life. So if you've got your hands stretched out, are you believing God to break through? Father, I just pray for each and every person that's here tonight. The areas of our lives that really aren't whole. God, I thank you that you're not a God who really beats us down. You're a God who loves us, who cares for us. You're a God of grace, a God of mercy. A God who wants to take everything away from us that separates us from you. And I just pray your touch upon each person here this evening who needs breakthrough. Lord, if reconciliation needs to take place, I pray that you would open doors so that that could happen. Lord, I pray for healing to be conducted in our hearts, in our minds. I pray for restoration. Holy Spirit, even in this moment, I just pray for your comfort to come and rest on people, that they may sense you, they may know you're at work. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. Lord, I also pray for us that you help us in our faith, that we would have a a faith that is functional, not one that is like fine china that we break out on special occasions, but we would apply to every area of our life, whether it's a high or a low, that it wouldn't be a feeling, but it would just be how we go about living our daily life. Lord, I pray that you help us to adjust our outlook on life, to always be of one of faith. Regardless of the outcome, we will choose to believe for the best, knowing who you are, knowing you are faithful, knowing you are good, knowing you are just. And I do pray your grace upon each person here. In the precious name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.